Welcome back everyone. Today I want to give you an update on how my 4-factor dividend growth portfolio is doing. If you follow my channel, you should be familiar with this portfolio, but in case you're new here, I'll leave a link in the description below to the original episode covering how this portfolio was constructed. In a nutshell, this portfolio borrowed the stock selection process from SCHD and applied it to a more tailored universe of dividend growth stocks. The objective is to outperform the S&P 500 total return in the long run, all the while collecting a growing passive dividend stream. Thus far, the portfolio is doing well, although as you'll soon see, we have hit some rough waters here in April. But before we talk about April, let me provide an update on March and the long-term return since inception. March was a good month, with the portfolio finishing with a gain of 3.97% and outpacing the S&P 500 by 29 basis points. This was the first month of outperformance this year, and it was a good way to finish quarter one. The portfolio did lose to the S&P in the first quarter by 18 basis points, posting a gain of 7.31% versus 7.5% for the index. The total return since portfolio launch on November 1st through month-end March is 14.87%, which is 7.9% better than the S&P. Not a bad place to be 5 months into the first year. As I mentioned earlier, April is not shaping up to be a good month, and given that we are more than halfway through the month already, there isn't much hope for a strong finish. The S&P 500 is actually faring quite well, as it's up 1.17% through April 19th. My portfolio on the other hand is down 1.64%, after a few holdings experienced some rough days. As of right now, the portfolio is trailing the index by 281 basis points, and this cuts down the since inception alpha from 7.9% at the end of March to 4.77% on April 19th. Of course this is not a favorable result, and not one that I wanted to see, but the portfolio is still maintaining a pretty decent level of alpha since inception. I'm not overly worried by this single month loss, because in the end, it doesn't matter how many months this portfolio outpaces the S&P, what matters is whether it can generate alpha at the 1 year mark. The 1 year mark is an important milestone, because at this point I'll run the screening process again and select new constituent stocks for the upcoming year, and there will likely be some turnover in the portfolio which means I will have to sell a few positions and lock in some of those gains or losses. So if the portfolio can beat the S&P once we reach the end of October, I can lock in those results and rebalance the portfolio to have a fresh start for its second year. This is an actual portfolio I oversee with real money, and it sits in a traditional IRA account in my M1 Finance brokerage account. It's not a large portfolio by any means, with the current balance being about $2,050. It doesn't generate much dividend income, with the year-to-day total being just $12.77. The projected dividend income for the next 12 months is $45.66. When I launched the portfolio back on November 1st, 2022, the initial 12-month dividend projection was $43.31. So as of right now, the annual dividend income is increased by 5.43%, which I think is pretty good after 5 months. The initial universe of stocks was geared towards dividend growth, so I expected the dividend income to grow faster than average. And it'll be interesting to see where the portfolio ends up after the first year is over. The starting dividend yield was 2.33%. Right now the dividend yield is 2.21%, primarily due to the favorable returns during the past 5.5 months. Since launching this portfolio, I have been tracking the individual returns for all 30 stocks, and I've been analyzing the data to gather any insights so I can make improvements to the original strategy. The first comparison I have done for each full month is stacking up an equal weight allocation versus the capped float adjusted market cap allocation I deployed. In November and December, using the market cap allocation proved to be more fruitful. January and February, on the other hand, saw the equal weight allocation deliver better results, and in March, the market cap allocation once again turned out to be superior. However, the long-term results for the full 5-month period between November and March sees the equal weight allocation delivering a superior return of 15.24%, compared to 14.75% for the market cap allocation. 
Not a major difference, but I am considering switching to an equal weight allocation for year number two. Not only because it has thus far generated a better return, but it is also easier to deploy and possibly could lead to more dividend income. The other observation I made while reviewing the individual returns is that the market cap allocation is counterintuitive to the four-factor stock selection process. Stocks that rank better in the screening process are not all meaningfully represented in the actual portfolio since their weight was determined by their market cap. And perhaps the real power of SCHD's methodology is the screening process and not so much the allocation methodology. I sorted all 30 chosen stocks by their original ranking outcome and compared their long-term 5-month returns and the results were pretty interesting. The top 15 stocks based on rank have an average gain of 22.74% compared to an average gain of just 7.73% for the bottom 15 ranked stocks. Breaking the stocks into smaller groups doesn't really point to any other favorable patterns. The top 5 stocks have an average gain of 18.46%, stocks ranked 6 through 10 have an average gain of 15.41%, and stocks ranked 11 through 15 have an average gain of 33.92%. The bottom 15 stocks, when divided into groups of 5, had gains ranging from 6.99% to 8.39%. So perhaps there is not only merit to adopting an equal weight allocation, but maybe I should select fewer stocks and really focus on the top ranked stocks the screening process identifies. I do have to keep in mind that this is just based on 5 months of data, and this pattern could be a coincidence. Fortunately, I have another 7 months to track the individual returns, before I have to make any decisions on possible changes when it comes time to rebalance the portfolio. Having fewer stocks and an equal weight allocation would mean more concentration risk, but it would also be easier to track and manage. Another interesting observation I made was with the starting dividend yield. If you recall, I stated the original starting dividend yield as 2.33%, which is nothing to rave about. But had I opted for an equal weight allocation instead of using the float adjusted market cap, the starting dividend yield would have been 2.43%. Not much of an improvement, but 10 basis points is 10 basis points. Now had I only chosen the top 15 ranked stocks and also applied an equal weight allocation, the starting dividend yield would have been 2.71%, which is a pretty big improvement. But as they say, hindsight is 20-20, and you can't dwell on missed opportunities. The only thing I can do is analyze the data and study these observations to adjust the strategy going forward and hope that the decisions I make lead to fruitful results. Should April prove to end on the sour note the portfolio finds itself in right now, I bet these results will be shaken up a bit as well. I look forward to analyzing that data as soon as the month is over. Another thing I plan on testing in the future is running the screening process at least once per quarter and seeing if there is any merit to possibly rebalancing the portfolio more frequently. I don't necessarily want to do that in the actual portfolio right now because I believe in giving stocks room to pay off, and shifting in and out of positions quarterly could hamper some of the dividend income as well. But I think it'll make for an interesting case analysis. I don't recommend for any of you to adopt this strategy, but if you do, please don't invest any money you can't afford to lose. This tiny IRA account is less than 1% of my total portfolio, so regardless of how it performs, it will not affect my long-term outcome. The bulk of my money is invested in quality dividend stocks with the intention of holding them forever. It's been a while since I've done a portfolio update episode, so I'll try to put one together soon.